Hey everyone, Selena Kulkarni here for another episode of the Freedom Warrior podcast, where it's my job to share the latest insights, tactics, and strategies around alternative wealth building. For those of you who'd like to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods, please head over to my website, freedomwarrior.com.au, where you can access my library of articles, interviews, and programs to help you on the way to becoming more financially free. Now, on to the show. Today, I'm super excited about this episode. What I really want to talk to you is about why it is that a really small percentage of investors are actually completely outperforming the norm. Um, Perhaps you've looked at, at certain investors and wondered how is it that they're able to get such epic results Um, And I really want to pull the curtain back into the world of alternative investing because that's where a lot of the high net wealth individuals reside. So what I really want to chat to you about today is the world of alternative investing. Um, It is absolutely the playground of the ultra wealthy. And for anyone who has aspirations to developing um, intergenerational wealth, um, aspirations around getting or building a high, high performance investment portfolio, or maybe you just simply, you just want to get out of being a business owner sooner. Um, you must consider the world of alternative property investing. Uh, in my experience, having been down so many different paths and, uh, followed so many different gurus and so many different strategies, it was really, the discovery of alternate property strategies that really catapulted my results. So it's super exciting for me to kind of really pull the curtain back and share that with you today. First thing I want to talk about is um, what does uh, property investing look like to the average Australian? So, um, you know, if you think about the cost of real estate here in Australia, um, clearly we are, you know, significantly more expensive than many other countries. And what that means is for the average Australian, the biggest hurdle to overcome is, first of all, just even being able to pull together the ridiculously large deposits needed to purchase um, any kind of house here in Australia. Um, You've got to pull that first deposit together. You've got to get your foot in the door. You've got to convince a bank to lend you the money. Um, I think the the where Australian investors often stop is when they reach a point where the banks basically say they're not going to lend you any more money. Um, I think as well, one of the uh, very, uh, I would say, embraced models for wealth creation in Australia was to, you know, get your foot in the door for the first property and then refinance in order to pull out capital to go again and go again. Um, Clearly, with some of the changes being made by government and banks over the last four or five years, that's getting harder and harder. And really, one of the key limitations to being able to borrow infinitely is uh, your own personal income. Uh, The banks have become significantly more conservative and they don't necessarily want you buying properties infinitum, as has happened with many investors say, 15, 15, 10, 15 years ago. I think what this means for the average investor is there's definitely a much lower ceiling on the potential wealth that you can create through that traditional model. 
I think, you know, given that, what a lot of uh, Australian investors aspire to do is buy however many properties they can till they hit their limit and then sit on those for a period of, you know, 10, 20, 30, sometimes 40 years until they hit the right capital balance, at which point um, some experts tell them that that's when you start selling them down and living off that capital or you know, I guess the the preferred outcome is that the capital base and those assets are producing enough income that you can live off it. Unfortunately, having worked with so many high net wealth individuals, um, the experience is that you can hold properties for 25 years or more, and they are still miles away from being able to deliver the sort of cash flow that you might like in order to kind of live financially free. So a great example of this is um, holding a high quality million dollar asset where even if you hold it without any debt, you know, at best you can hope to earn somewhere between one and 3% net after expenses. Um, And it's just the way the metrics in, in Australia works, which is why on one hand, it's awesome from the viewpoint of you know, building capital because, you know, bigger numbers, bigger gains, a 3% um, increase in the value of a million dollar property is just a a large amount of capital to be accruing each year Um, versus, um, you know, the, the cash flow, which is just completely, you know, rubbish, to be honest. So I think for the average Australian, the, the reality is the Australian property market represents amazing value in terms of developing capital. Um, But at some point, when you get to that point in time where you want your property portfolio to be delivering you cash flow, um, you know, it's really just, it doesn't work. And so what what the industry tells us, what, uh, you know, property advisors tell us is that the way to resolve that is just to buy more properties. So we're back to square one. Now that leads me into my next piece, which is... um, you know, when did I turn to alternative? So one of the things that I've been really good at over the last few years is asking the question, what else? Um, Whenever I hit a perceived wall in terms of people saying, well, we won't borrow it, we won't lend you anymore, or, um, you know, perhaps there was some other thing that was holding me back, my uh, immediate response is to go, well, what else? And that's what really led me into the world of alternative property investing. So about... um, what was it, uh, 2009 now, um, I realized the banks here were, you know, going into a much more conservative state. They were saying, look, we're not going to lend you any more money. Um, so I started looking at overseas markets, you know, how are people doing it elsewhere? And I was just gobsmacked at how different the metrics were in other markets, the relative cost to buy versus the income stream, um, the difficulty or the ease around getting finance, Uh, just the way that tenants, you know, treated the real estate in in other countries, all that good stuff. So, you know, I looked at the European market, I looked at the American market and ultimately settled on the American market as being most palatable because uh, just the way that their market has evolved has made it an incredibly creative and entrepreneurial space. So the reason that I um, I got super excited about some of the strategies available in that market was the number one, the entry price to buy, you know, 
really what would be regarded here as a good quality investment was significantly lower at anywhere from sort of 50 to 70,000 up to about 150,000 you could get um you know good quality affordable housing that high quality or reasonable quality tenants were happy to rent and stay long term um then layer over the top of that the fact that you didn't even have to own the properties in order to participate in that market. And quite frankly, my mind was completely blown. Um, I know there was a huge wave of um, educators and spruikers trying to sell property directly in that market. And that's certainly a, a strategy that's valid, provided you have a high degree of control and a high degree of faith in the person that you're dealing with. But the reality is that as an investor in another market, many of the direct property strategies were less palatable than um, some of the other ones where effectively you could be in a position of power. You could uh, pretty much be uh, in the same uh, level of power as, say, a bank, but you had significantly more control with zero day-to-day management or headaches or hassles around tenants and toilets. If I were to articulate the main difference between or the main benefits between alternative and traditional property as we understand it here in Australia, the first thing I would say is a lot of the strategies that I've undertaken in the US market are highly recession resistant. Um, You're not purchasing hoping for natural appreciation, natural capital growth. In some cases, you are creating forced appreciation through improvements, but in general, um, regardless of whether the market goes up, down or sideways, um, the impact on the returns is um, at most negligible. Um, In some cases, the impact is next to zero. Uh, And, you know, really at a time where there's high uncertainty economically, where the share market is doing all sorts of flips and flops, Um, I prefer to be earning a steady high return um, with no hassles, no headaches than trying to kind of predict where the market is going and uh, make investments on the hope that it will appreciate in the future. From a stress level point of view, um, emotionally and also from a, a position of feeling uh, I, I guess freedom around you know needing to monitor things at, at a micro level, um, all of that stuff just became so much simpler when I started to incorporate um, these alternate strategies into my portfolio. So that was a huge plus. I think one thing that I've already touched on, which I see as a huge benefit in the alternate space, is that at least two thirds of the strategies that I undertake actually do not require you to um, deal with tenants and toilets. Um, as I've mentioned already, like, you know, in the even in the Australian market, uh, with a, a reasonable size portfolio, tenants and toilets can be, um, you know, just a, a hassle. Uh, you know, they, they might be perfectly nice people, but they're a hassle because you've got to be constantly making decisions about repairs, Um, You know, there's always that concern that, um, you know, there may be issues around payment of rent, as we've experienced recently. And so one of the things that I love about the creative play of the alternate strategies is that capacity to be the person at the table 
number one, with the highest level of power because often you're the lender. Number two, um, you are the person with the highest level of security. So as a bank does, you, you usually control the property to some degree. And number three, if things go wrong with the property, it's just not your problem to deal with. Um, and so, you know, for me, those three elements are really what contribute to my love of all of the strategies that sit in the alternate space. Um, I think if I were to kind of really focus on this question of, well, who would be the right types of investors to be involved in alternate? Um, I would say it's people, business owners who appreciate the need uh, for speed. Um, I think it's people who are comfortable with the idea of learning new strategies. Um, I think that uh, if you're very early on in your investing journey, I would definitely say that the space of alternates probably not for you. I think it's really important as an investor to go on a journey to learn the basics and then, you know, ratchet your, your wealth upwards. But if you're someone who's been around the block, has done a bit of investing already, who understands the limitations of what we have here in Australia, the strengths and limitations, I should say, um, then putting your toe in and dabbling in alternate is an incredible way to really amplify your results. And let me give you a really good example of this. So I've got many high net wealth individual clients who have been very successful in their business and very successful um, on paper with their investment portfolio. They've, they've often got a large stable of investment properties, um, but they recognize they are crippled by the fact that, you know, they're, they're capital rich and cash poor. Um, they have no capacity to step out of their businesses because they need that income to support their lifestyle. Um, a small turn of the dial and putting a little bit of their money working in these alternate strategies can literally mean they can replace their income in anywhere from as little as 18 months to seven years, depending on you know, where they are on their investment journey and, and how quickly they um, learn and embrace the sorts of strategies that we're talking about. Now, the thing that I really want to emphasize here about the world of alternative is that um, just because something is um, unfamiliar to you doesn't automatically make it risky. And, you know, one of my mentors who coaches, you know, very, very conservative business people in, in the medical space, surgeons, doctors, dentists, um, in their world, a lot of the strategies that we're talking about are clearly perceived to be low risk. Um, they're low risk because you're diversified. Um, you've got a very small amount of money per deal. They're low risk because you're geographically spread. They're low risk because you're working with multiple advisors and deal makers. Um, I think one of the single biggest secrets around the world of alternative is the capacity to partner with other like-minded people, um, to work with trusted advisors who are, you know, one particular thread of one particular strategy in one market has been their life's work. They have been able to become the master in their space of one particular strategy. 
And, you know, in my opinion, that capacity to leverage the know-how, skill set, influence, network of others is the thing that, you know, will catapult your results and, and move you into the realm of being a professional investor. I think people who like property, who recognize the safety and the lack of volatility should definitely be, you know, putting the idea of alternative into their mental Rolodex. Um, people who don't particularly like tenants and toilets, um, obviously that's a, a big plus. And um, yeah, I guess in summary, if you're interested in replacing or duplicating your current income to either create more safety, to give yourself a, a, a different exit ramp to create a plan B, um, then this the world of alternative is definitely something you should consider. So guys, just to really recap, um, the purpose of today's episode was really just to unveil to you, quite frankly, um, why I love the, the realm of alternative property investing. Um, it is a total game changer. It really is. Um, you know, I, I can't express enough the impact that these sorts of investment strategies can have on your wealth creation efforts. And you know, as I said before, I think a lot of people go into business because they love the idea of being able to take the limits off what they earn and how they spend their time. Unfortunately, for many business owners, especially those that I deal with, the reality is that, um, you know, often they become a slave to their business. And unfortunately, for those who cannot or who aren't in the luxurious position of being able to sell, you know, it leaves them very little option other than to pump and pump and pump and try to build an asset base outside of their business. Unfortunately, you know, the reality these days is if you even want to create a $100,000 income stream for yourself, you kind of need somewhere in the vicinity of $10 million of net assets. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, that's a that's a fairly crazy amount of assets for the average person to invest in. However, if you were to incorporate some of the alternative strategies into your portfolio, that number drops significantly. If you can be earning 8, 10, 12, maybe even 15% per annum on a small chunk of that capital, instead of needing 10 million in assets here, maybe you've got 1 million in, in assets over there in alternate earning you 100 to 150K, plus you've got your investment portfolio here. So I'm certainly not advocating one or the other. I'm suggesting that the blend of the two is really what's going to give you the safest, most amplified return. I highly encourage you to reach out to me. I am more than happy to just have a, a, a really quick chat to help you understand how, um, you know, really changing the, the, the investment mix in your own portfolio can have a massive impact on your financial freedom. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Warrior podcast and a few things before you take off. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review my podcast to help more people find it. Also, each week I send out a unique email newsletter where I share some of the most cutting edge and interesting things I've found during the week to help you on your journey to financial freedom. And finally, if you're interested in fast tracking towards being financially free, please check out my programs where I help you get onto the path of generating a significant six-figure passive income through investing. 
If you're interested, head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to find out if it's suitable for you. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.